Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm a car reviewer for Bay Area News Group, and I publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My colleague and close friend is Bruce Aldrich, and today we are in Fairfield, California, and a little bit of a backstory. I was driving to the Bay Area, and I pulled over to answer my phone, and I saw this wonderful museum out in the field, and we're uh, with Jeff Lipman today. He's the general manager of the American Armory Museum, and you just get off the freeway, Interstate 80, and it just opens up with all these nice vehicles and a history of all kinds of military um, paraphernalia, cars, trucks, uh, Jeeps. So we're going we're gonna to talk to uh, Jeff today about that. Um, Jeff uh, has taken us around already, so we have a little bit of knowledge about what we're going to see, what we're going to talk about. But, you know, it, it, Bruce, it, it, it took me aback. I mean, I've never been in the military, but it looked like we were watching a still version of some of those old shows on TV or movies, uh, Saving Private Ryan to the Rat Patrol. There was all kinds of vehicles that we know something about, but nothing about at the same time. Yeah, all really cool stuff that, you know, I enjoy looking at. You see it on TV, but you don't see it in person much. Oh. So, uh, Jeff, welcome to our podcast. It's nice to meet you, and uh, we just can't wait to dig in. So thanks for being a guest on our podcast. Thanks for coming out. Could you give us a little backstory? I was just asked, telling you that I have no military background, and um, you weren't in the military either, and you've arrived at this place and and helped um, the man who had some of these vehicles. So give us the backstory about who you are and how you got involved. So uh, I guess it all started back in 2009, a gentleman named John Littlefield had one of the largest collections of military vehicles in the world. Uh, Mr. Littlefield passed away, and the Littlefields in 2011 donated the entire collection to an organization called the Collings Foundation. They had to sell part of the collection to build their new museum that they got. Mm-hmm. So, seven years ago at the auction, Mr. Rowland, the owner of Jelly Belly, bought seven pieces at an auction. In Fairfield. In Fairfield, Fairfield. Huh? yes. Yeah, so he bought seven pieces at the auction. And a couple months after the auction, I got a phone call. His stuff was at his warehouse. It didn't run, won't start. He doesn't know how to drive it. Can I please come help him get it in the building? So long story short, mm-hmm. uh, after a couple weeks, he asked me to come to work for him, getting his stuff restored and running, and he'd keep me busy doing something. So uh, we never planned on having a museum. So mm-hmm. it started out as just a little private collection. This is uh, well-restored stuff, too. We're not talking about a bunch of rust buckets here. It's, it's, most of it is drivable, and certainly it's presentable to the eye. It's very good-looking stuff, well-painted and all. 90% of everything here runs and drives. There you go. And, and that's due to the, to the volunteers. Uh, I got a handful of very dedicated volunteers that restore this stuff and, and maintain it and keep it running. So. You uh, mentioned you were not in the military. Um, I'm assuming that you're a mechanic or you learn fast. Or yeah. to what, what is your background so that you would be the I, general manager and have to take care of this stuff? I owned a, I owned a uh, land development company for many years in South Florida mm-hmm. and an automotive restoration business. Gotcha. Okay, so you so, do know what's going yeah, so on. So a tank is basically or similar to a bulldozer <laughs> or an excavator. They all run the same, sure. just it's got armor on it. Right. What uh, what was the learning curve for you to uh, be a general manager of this? Did you study up on your history of uh, military equipment or learn as your seat of your pants, so to speak? Learning as I go. Okay. I mean, I've never had a clue. I didn't pay attention in school. I mean, I didn't know nothing about history, American history, war history. So it was all new to me. Uh, so I'm learning as I go. 
kind of you know take it in and, and hold on to the knowledge. But uh, I'm learning something new every day. The uh, part chains are a little different than the automotive world. Where, are there any manufactured parts for any of this stuff? Surprisingly, you can get a lot of this stuff still uh, through different websites. Uh, there's a lot of uh, military website groups and pages. So it's, it's a large uh, group of people that collect this kind of stuff. So you got to get into the know. But the stuff is out there. You have to search for it. But if we can't find it, then you know we fabricate it. Uh, hey, you said you had a machine shop on on the premises here. Yes, we have a, a Vietnam-era mobile machine shop that has everything in it from lathes, presses, grind machines, uh, you name it. I mean, it's in that in that self-contained trailer. Is it actually military yes, hardware? It, it is. It is an actual military trailer. They're still using them today. Wow. So, so do, a little, do a little scene setting. We're just off Interstate 80, uh, and for Bruce and I, Bruce lives and I live in Sacramento, and uh, if you're going your way to the Bay Area, you come upon Fairfield, and it's you're right off exit 43, if yep. I remember correctly, and um, you come upon a big field. So what kind of acreage? And you have an in indoor and an outdoor facility, and you told us you have a, a corresponding facility in Vacaville. So take us through um, what you have here. Yep. Exactly. So we're, we're sitting on about eight acres. Uh -huh. um, we uh, about 4,800 square feet inside. Yes. And then if everything else is outside, we have a little uh, area that we do military vehicle demonstrations and rides as well. Um, and then we have a sister museum in Vacaville, right at the entrance of the Nutri Airport. Uh, they work known as the Center for Freedom and Flight. There is going to be a name change here very shortly, but right now the Center for Freedom and Flight. They're mainly aviation. Mm -hmm. uh, I've run out of space here, so I've kind of invaded theirs with armor. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we just work hand-in-hand -hand together. We're two different organizations, but we just work hand-in-hand -hand with each other. This is an interesting uh, museum site here because you have not only the heavy armament tanks, half-tracks, um, jeeps, but you have motorcycles, including, uh, you mentioned uh, Harley back to like 1937 or 42, yeah, the, was it? Yeah, the Harley's a 1942 Harley XA. Uh, it's one of a thousand built. Um, only made 24 of them left in the world. Um, you know, it's a I, nice looking piece. Oh, it is beautiful. Any Harley person would yeah. Oh, yeah. would love it. Um, and also you have all the uh, military hardware, like uh, um, anything from, I saw landmines over there, uh, hand grenades, uh, all the, the guns. The guns, uh, artillery. Uh, American and, and foreign forces too. Yeah, ammunition, yeah, we have, we have stuff from everything from American, Japanese, German. Uh, you know, just any, anything military related. So everything from World War One to modern, from motorcycles to tanks. Yep. Since, you're, since you're close to the freeway, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, do you get people who find you find you uh, by happenstance, or do you get uh, school groups of young people, old people? What? Who comes to the museum? We, I get people in every day that are literally drive by and say, "I didn't know we were here." They drive by, they see us, they come in the gate. Uh, other than that, we have uh, a lot of assistant living facilities that come out. Yes. Uh, Pace Solano, they you know bring their 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 tenants out. Uh, assistant living facilities. Some schools come out for field trips. You know, we do outside events as well. We you know take a lot of our stuff out to all these different locations as well. 
Um, and a lot of social media. I ask people all the time how you find us, and they'll say, oh, we're going on the Internet looking up museum, and you popped up. Gotcha. Do you get negative uh, feedback? At you the, at the you're always going to get some negative. Yeah, I mean... Most people, if they're negative, they wouldn't be here. But some go out of their way to, to, to show up to be negative. No, I, no I you assume. do. You do. I mean, uh, I just I try to keep the politics out of it. But, yes, you, you do. Yeah. You know, but, you know, we just uh, you know, try to treat everybody the same. And try there to you go. The, try to keep the politics out of it. And now, if I, I don't know the numbers, but I can't imagine. I know it's getting fewer and fewer of uh, World War II veterans. And... Those men, if they were 20 at the time or 18, they would be in their mid-90s, I'm assuming that's accurate. And and do you get any of those gentlemen, or are there even some women, uh, I don't know how many women that's from WW2 are left, but when they visit, um, if you can remember a story or two, could you share that with us, what that's like? Yeah, we, we do get some through here occasionally. I mean, World War II vets are always a blessing and an honor to, to be a, a, amongst them. Uh, one that really stands out a lot. I don't remember his last name. His first name is Don, but he was a Pearl Harbor survivor. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal story how he survived Pearl Harbor, his, how his ship was hit by a couple of kamikaze pilots. Yes. And uh, he spent about 13 hours hanging on to a buoy. Um, you know, we got to know uh, Jeep Stanza. That was General Patton's driver. Yes. His real name was Francis, but Patton nicknamed him Jeep during World War II, so everyone knew him as Jeep Stanza. And uh, he passed away two years ago. Uh, we have a display here that's based around the stories he's told us. And we are uh, blessed and honored to be able to have one of General Patton's Jeeps from World War II in our possession. Um, Jeep's uh, son, Napa Nick, is in the film industry. He's helped us build a lot of our sets. And, uh, and uh, he takes the World War II veterans and the Vietnam veterans and gets their stories on tape and video and he's actually putting a documentary together. Uh, so I do get to meet a few of them and it's always an honor to, and a blessing to be amongst the World War II survivors and the events. You probably learn a lot from them too, right? And and they they donate here and there uh, different things. Uh, yes. Maybe their, their grandfather had or what have you. A lot of these things are donated. Yeah, we've been really, like I said, a lot of the stuff here is either on loan or been donated to us. That's why we've been able to grow to the... Uh, extent that we've had in such a short period of time. Um, you know, people come in, they see it, and they're like, oh, I got this in my closet, I got this in my drawer, or, or I, you know, I, we, I got this vehicle, and then it was my dad's, and he passed away, and it's just sitting in my yard, I mean, and all kinds of stuff. So yeah. it just, it, it's, people come, people come in on a regular basis, and if, if I can use the stuff in the display, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to anything, I'll let people know ahead of time, if I can use it in the display, I will. If not, then we do liquidate it to try to generate cash flow as well. And yes. if they're all right with it, then, you know, some stuff is actually, you know, turned around and sold to, you know, to help pay and cover some of the overhead. Going back, before we uh, forget the topic, when you, I mentioned or I asked about the World War II vets, so on the other side of that, so to speak, when you get young people in here, maybe they've seen a, an old movie or even a recent movie. We, all mentioned Saving Private Ryan, or maybe they've seen some of these vehicles or what looks like these vehicles on video games. So what what are some of the reactions from when you get a seven-year-old in here with mom and dad? Uh, what's that like? Oh, I, I love getting our, our young, our younger uh, children, you know, people in here because you know, they are super educated on the firearms, they're super educated on a lot of these wars, and they know it because of the video games. Yes. 
Um, you know, they, they, they know the guns, they know the wars, but we have one particular vehicle in here, a, a half-track that was used in World War II and was also used in the Israeli Six-Day War, and it's got numerous uh, welded-up bullet holes in it. And I love to get them up into it, looking at it, and then point out the bullet holes and let them realize that, you know, they, they got the freedom to play these video games today because of the sacrifices our military have made right there where they're standing, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, a lot of them don't realize it till they see it. It gives them a, a, a better perspective that, that it's not a game, you know, and that, that there's been sacrifices made. So, and I've, I'd love to have it where there were hands-on. With this covert recently, we haven't been able to be hands-on as sure, usual. Sure, yeah. But usually I like to be very hands-on with our young. So I want them to touch it, feel it, experience. So come Monday, they remember it. If they don't touch it, you tell them don't touch, don't climb. You know, they come, yeah. come Monday, Tuesday, they forgot all about it. So, you know, it's very important that they, they can be part of it. You showed me those bullet holes, and it, I'm a part of it now. <laughs> it, it got my attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not even young, so, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, stuff, stuff we take yeah. for granted. Sure. We walked past the whole wall full of uh, flags, and we didn't see all of them, but uh, 36 star flags, older flags. We even sent a small room where there's a, a Japanese flag that you were telling us about. So flags are a big part of your museum as well, in all different shapes and sizes. Yeah, I mean... I, the flag collection was donated to us, and I mean, unfortunately, you know, we don't have that much space. Yes. So, I mean, I have a bunch more I'd love to put up. There's no place to put them. Um, you know, it's you know, it's part of our heritage. It's part of our history. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, we I got I represent every single American flag that we have in there, including the Confederates. And I get a lot of I've gotten grief from people about the Confederate flags that we have hanging up in there. But you know, they're they're part of our American history. You bet. You know, yep. whether people don't like it or not, they don't like that battle flag, but it's part of our history, you sure. know, and it's, it's a shame you have to try to erase history. So, but yeah, we, we got part of flag collection. Yeah. I even noticed, um, which I, I mentioned, we used to see them all the time, the, M, the POW MIA flag, and I had not seen one of those for a long time, but you have one pretty prominently, and yeah. that kind of, I mean, I could have been drafted, Bruce could have been drafted, I, and neither one of us were, but that's a Vietnam era thing, yeah. and... and yeah. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. And, <laughs> do and, remember our, and our Vietnam veterans don't get nowhere near the respect that they deserved. Mm -hmm. I mean, when they came back from Vietnam, you know, they, they were young men and women that went over there and, and served and did what they were told they had to do for their country. And then they came back to the United States and got spit on and cussed at. And, they and, got grief, know, that's for sure. And just, uh, you know, they, they're not treated right today. No. You know, so anything we can do to give honor and respect to our, to our Vietnam veterans, and, um, you know, they're still... Today, there's still POWs yeah. and MIAs still over there today. So. Bruce and I have a mutual friends, and, and one in particular we were both pretty close with who passed recently, and uh, I didn't know about his military uh, career until I, I was around him for about 10 years. He was a medic in Vietnam, and uh, when we got to know each other, he was telling me some of the stories that you know, he went through, and uh, he was a great guy, and, and you know he passed away in his, in his late 60s, but you know, to have a friend that you don't really know that much about his history, and then you know, on a on a run or having lunch someday, he told me this, started telling me his stories, and it was like, oh my gosh, it was very impressive what he what he did, and to your point, served his country and yeah. came back, and he took a lot of grief. Yeah. So, um, so back to the museum. Uh, uh, when people come in, um, a family, let's say, or uh, a World War II vet, I'm sure at some points people get a little emotional. 
Yes, we, they do. I mean, uh, especially some of the World War II veterans. Yes. And, you know, it brings back a lot of, uh, opens up a lot of wounds. You know? I would think, yeah. Uh, Just the smell walking in the place. You can smell that old, old, old car yeah, smell. Yeah, but in this yeah. case, it's... I guess I'm used to it, but yeah. I hear that quite frequently, yeah. It's, it's the like grease and oil, and yeah. yeah, you can smell it. Yeah. I'm sure it's like going to the, the factory down the street, you know, whether you're, whether you're a Jelly Belly fan or not. I am, but you can smell it when you walk in. It's yeah. if you work there, I'm sure you don't smell it. But um, uh, so, do you have any expansion plans or anything in the works? Do you know? Nothing that I can really reveal right now. Okay. But you know, we we do need to grow. Sure. I mean, we are out of space here. Uh, like I said, we do have a sister museum in Vacaville, so I do have some stuff over that way. Um, you know, right now we're just utilizing the land that we got, you know, making the best of what we got. Uh, I mean, if I had more space, I'd have more vehicles. Sure. But, you know, we're just utilizing what we got at the moment. Some of these uh, vehicles, like you said, mo uh, what did you say, 90% of them run? Uh, tell it, can you give us a story on a trip you've made or, uh, you know, some truck or whatever you might have taken well, a well, ride said, in? The one that we've really been working on here in the past few years, we have a Chieftain Battle Tank. Uh, that we acquired from a gentleman out of Texas three years ago, and it, it needed everything. It was just more or less gutted, and it wore out and beat to death. So we had an arms dealer in the UK about a year and a half ago contact me and told me he had a Chieftain uh, armored recovery vehicle, which had a crane system on it instead of a gun turret. So myself and a couple of volunteers went to UK to strip it. And when we got over there, it ran and drove so well that instead of completely stripping it and loading it in a container, we shrunk it down in size, and for a couple thousand dollars more than a shipping container, we brought the whole unit back here. And about two weeks ago, we took the gun turret off the original tank and put it on the recovery unit, and um, it's now a running, driving Chieftain tank. That's the one we saw That's back. It's saw freshly back. painted yes. and, yeah. Well, no, Freshly, the, the turret's painted, but the rest okay. of it still Well, it looks like it's ready for a movie set yeah, or something. It's, uh, it still has a lot of detail work to do, but it, we got, it runs and drives. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, we, we need our own car crusher. We hold uh, events out here. We have demonstration weekends, which, you know, we have one coming up here in a couple of weeks, October 10th and 11th, where we actually crush cars. And oh, wow. In the past, yeah. I've always relied on uh, one of my buddies from Jelani Construction to bring his big tank out and crush our cars, but now we have our own car crusher. Perfect, yeah, all before right. Before we forget, thanks yes. Jeff for the reminder, it's uh, the military vehicle demonstration weekend, October 10th and 11th, and the rain date, in quotes, you never know whether it's gonna be bad air or rain or whatever, but it's the 17th and 18th, and it's uh, Saturday is the car show and the military swap meet, Sunday is a civilian, that, that's us, and military swap meet, 8 a.m. to uh, as a setup, 9.30 for the general public, and uh, there's all kinds of options. Uh, car shows, $20, military swap, 40 non-military, 20 and a full day of all kinds of stuff, including this picture of the tank crushing two cars. Yeah. Where do the cars come from? The, the cars come from uh, Pick and Pull. Pick and Pull is one of our sponsors. Gotcha. Okay. They, they supply me with the cars and uh, do everything they need to do to you know, defuel them and deliquitize them and, uh, and, and supply us with the cars. So. Is, speaking of uh, defueling and getting them prepped, uh, as far as all your uh, armament, the guns, uh, alcohol, so, tobacco, and firearm come out and 
work with you on that stuff? Your your bazookas and whatnot, or or how's that go? I like, I like to keep them away from me myself, but uh, most, now most of our guns here are uh, either simulated fire or have been demilled. Uh, we have no live fire, fully automatic weapons. Um, most of the live fire weapons I have are relics, so they fall under the, the relics and Kiro permits. Um, we keep the firing pins and stuff like that out of them, just in case something did happen and they got into the wrong hands. That sure. No, you know, the firing pins are not in them. So we do all we got, everything we need to do to, to keep them safe and, uh, you know, I mean. But I mean, those guys come out and the regulators come out because you're not even supposed yeah. to possess most of this stuff. Well, they haven't been here. I hope okay, they don't come out. never mind. <laughs> Strike it. <laughs> you're the editor. First, you're the editor. Okay, <laughs> sorry. Um, you've also uh, mentioned earlier that um, these, you know, military equipment have been out to uh, various shows, and um, you know, I'm sure that the reaction from the public just might just got to be off the hook sometimes with what people say or don't say or like or dislike. You must have seen a lot of stuff. From, from the public reacting in different ways. We have. I mean, you know, it, it took us it took us almost four years to get our zoning somewhat straightened up out here. Yes. Um, you know, like I said, we have a temporary land use permit right now. I don't. You know, we're still not a hundred percent here. Yes. Uh, Good thing ninety percent is still running, huh? So yeah, you can get out of here at midnight. You know, <laughs> I mean, I have people coming here. And they love it. I've had, you know, I've, I've had people in the county. In the county seat, say I looked like a military junkyard. You know, um, they should have you, know, some you get people come in here and love it. Then you get people come in here and just want to give me grief about it. So yeah. you know, you, you know, just do what you can do. You know, okay. take it as it comes. Speaking of driving, uh, tell us that story again, if you would, about the you drove to Rio Rio Linda Rio Vista Rio Vista. Uh, pardon me and. Uh, one mile per get or one mile. Yeah. Tell us that, so, the numbers again. So we, I, yeah, I got so confused. Did, so we did a convoy. We belong to Military Vehicle Collectors of California, the MVCC. They hold a big swap meet twice a year. Used to be held out at the KOA in uh, Rio Vista. Mm -hmm. So we made that run. I guess about four or five years ago, a convoy about 14 vehicles, and our 1943 Super Mac Prime Mover. It's a seven and a half ton capability truck. And uh, it does 30 miles an hour and gets one mile per gallon. And uh, we burned 90 gallons of gas out to Rio Vista and back. Not counting the other vehicles. I was just in that vehicle. Sure. And uh, when we got back after that weekend's run, Mr. Rowland said that was the most expensive hamburger run he ever made. That's great. What a great story. I, I saw on the, uh, the brochure with it, it looked like it was a 160-gallon tank. It's a pretty 160. big tank, at yeah. least. And actually, it's only running on one tank. The other tank has got some holes in it. It's only running on one tank. We had, oh. to, make, we had to make a couple fuel stops on the way. <laughs> um, some of the uh, displays that you also have, are, we, you took us into a couple of smaller rooms that have um, displays of not, you know, not, not U.S. stuff, you know, from other countries. And German, we see the swastika, and there's some, a beautiful silk Japanese flag that has a great story to it. So how do you determine... Um, if you're going to use something from another country, your call. Well, <laughs> we, yeah, we, we don't get a whole lot of it in. Yes. Um, I mean, so usually if anything from a, a foreign country comes in, we find a place for it because we don't have all that much of it. We don't yes. get that much of it. So, I mean, we have a very small collection of everything from, like I said, 
German, Japanese, Korean, Polish, I mean Russian. So, I mean, it's starting to grow, but, you know, something comes in, somebody wants to donate something or put something on loan. I mean, some of the stuff is on loan as well. People don't want to part with it. You know, sure. they've had it in their family. So we have a, we do have a good loan program where everything is documented on who it belongs to. And, and you know, but foreign stuff, I mean, anything, we'll, we'll, one way or another, we work it into the, into the display, so. Yeah. You told Excellent. us a good story about, uh, I'm sure it's much longer than you told us, but the story about uh, the man who's making the documentary, the, as you think, said, things happen for a reason. And so you had uh, a meeting of minds, so to speak, and a, and a great meeting between these two people that who would have thunk that ever, would ever have or happen. Yeah. So yeah. could you re recall that story? I mean, yeah, well, in a nutshell, it was a, a Japanese lady um, donated a flag that her brother was a kamikaze pilot. We happened to uh, have a gentleman here that day that was a Pearl Harbor survivor. And, uh, you know, he basically, you know, when I introduced him, I said, you know, you probably don't like to see this stuff. And he quickly said, you know, that, uh, you know, he had no hard feelings towards him, Japanese soldier. As a matter of fact, her brother may have been the pilot that almost killed him. And um, I just think, you know, they had a really good meeting of the minds together. And I think it's something she needed to hear and from somebody like him. And, uh, you know, that, that's what makes, that's what makes, makes this place special is when, you know, you get people like things, things like that happen. So, and like I guess I don't think it just happens out of the clear blue. It, it, they were meant to get together that day. And you mentioned that there's a pending documentary that they're filming. Yes. The parts of the documentary will yeah. include their their story. Their, their story, yes. And, and what kind of where will that will that be readily available to the public? Will it be in a certain? It, I'm not sure where he's going to have it publicized yet. Where it is, but you uh -huh. know, it, it will. I think it will be a public documentary. Fantastic. Um, well, could, is there one thing that stands out to you when? Like Bruce and I showed up, neither one of us were in the military. You know, Bruce knows a lot about vehicles. I really don't. But when we walked in, it, it took me, it just, I, I had to catch my breath a little bit because it was just so much I've never seen before. Is that a general reaction to people who come in and they just don't know what they're looking at and they find out pretty quick this is the real deal? Yeah, I mean, we get people that have never been around any of it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but there's a lot of, People that collect this kind of stuff, sure. so they really track us down. And sure, yeah. You know, I mean, it's um, you know, people that did, you know, that build models. They come yes. here to look at the real things, so and they can go back and duplicate it on their models. And uh, so we get a wide variety of, you know, different people that come through the door. So great. Well, Jeff, um, can't thank you enough um, for being our guest. Um, we exchanged emails and phone calls, and we're here. And you took your time of your day. But obviously, you have a lot going on. So. We want to thank Jeff Lippman, the general manager of the American Armory Museum. Its exact address is 4144 Abernathy Road, Fairfield, California. Uh, it's right off Interstate 80. You can't miss it if you keep your eyes open. And please come by. And, and to also mention again the uh, military vehicle demonstration weekend, October 10th and 11th. And in case they need a, a backup date, it will be the 17th and 18th a week later. Saturday and Sunday all day long with all kinds of things going on and certainly you can um, have an admission of ten dollars and you can make a donation and obviously it's for a very important reason so thank you again Jeff. Well, I appreciate thank you. Coming out. Yep. Thank you.